You're listening to Thinking Biblically. Well, hello and welcome to Thinking Biblically. This is the first live broadcast of this podcast. My dad, Alan Gilman, is the regular host, and he will be speaking tonight. But tonight, me, Daniel Gilman, I'm your host, and it is a joy to be with you today. We're going to be exploring uh, thinking biblically about the high holidays. These are the, some of the most important holidays in the Jewish and in the, in the biblical calendar. And my dad is going to be speaking to us about this. It's going to be really meaningful. I want to remind you, or rather, not even remind, because this is unique to tonight, because it's live. You can actually ask questions tonight because it's live. So in the YouTube chat box, put in your questions, even right now, if you have any questions about the high holidays, about biblical holidays, about the Jewish calendar and the rhythms of the year, please put your questions in there right now and throughout the evening, we'll do our best to tackle as many of your questions as we possibly can. Without any further ado, please welcome my dad, Alan Gilman. Well, hi, Daniel. It's so good to have you back again on Thinking Biblically with me. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's been a, quite a journey in the past. Um, it's been in the past couple of months with having various guests. And uh, that's that's been really something. I really appreciated various people's comments uh, that they have sent. Um, I was really taken by how much response I got to the first time I went solo uh, when I talked about um, what I think is a key component in the whole COVID situation and and talked about the fear factor. Uh, so, so far that is the most popular of the, of the, of the weeks. And a lot of people felt that I helped them express what they've been feeling inside. Well, that one of the things I've really appreciated about the show when you were first envisioning it was talking about both, being able to tackle different topics from a biblical perspective, but also hopefully helping model for the world what a, a biblical approach to discussing really tough topics. And so I personally really appreciated how uh, the week following up to the week you're mentioning, you replied to another one of your guests and a dear friend's comments on some of the stuff that you had said. I appreciated the, the very um, honest and uh, forthright, but also kind way that you were dealing with those comments. Yeah, well, as you know, I have such a, a, a burden on my heart uh, to discover truth. And while we must be confident in what we believe to be true, at the same time, I want to be open to what God's word really says on whatever it might be. And it's a difficult balance to, to keep, to, to, to stand firm on, a, on a, an understanding of something, and yet be able to 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 change one's mind uh, when more information is presented, another perspective. And often what happens is we broaden our understanding of things. It's not necessarily thinking one thing and that versus thinking another. Often their their perspectives and and it, and it can be quite helpful. Um, in fact, next week we're going to return to the COVID topic again. And God willing, I'm going to be looking at what our relationship to government should be. And uh, I was challenged on that topic, not because of COVID, but because of something else I read in a totally different context that put, that shone a light on uh, Romans 13, which is often used 
with regard to how believers are to relate to government. And I'll, I'll sh- I'm not going to talk about it now, but I'll share next time uh, how this insight really, really put on the lights for me on this one. And I, I think people will find it really helpful. And hopefully we're going to have a guest in a few weeks to follow up the topic about um, the believer's relationship to government. Okay. Um, that, for anyone who might be tuning in for the first time tonight, what are some of the topics that you've already addressed on Thinking Biblically, the podcast? Oh, one of my favorites was anger. <laughs> now, some of these conversations have been surprises. Um, I, when I had Dr. Rod Wilson on, uh, one of the first, one of the first guests, longtime friend, I really thought we we're going to go a certain way on this, on that topic, and he surprised me how he really challenged people to basically. Uh, listen to their anger and respond accordingly, as opposed to learning how to control it, which of course is important too. But much anger actually comes from um, uh, an agitation uh, about something being wrong. That's one of the reasons why I'm going to talk about COVID and government and talked about the fear factor, because I've been irked that I uh, that many people seem to be, and myself included, following um, a bad road. And we want to get people on a good road. And it should be upsetting when we see things are not going the way that that is good and healthy for people. And so Rod really helped with that. Um, there was my conversation with Doug Trick on Bible translation that also had a surprise. And uh, and I, I'll, even, I'll even say this. So one of the ones that has had the least amount of views, which I get it, is the, is the one on death. It seems people don't flock to talks about death, but Rick Berg was fantastic. It's the reason why I had him on, because I heard a presentation by him before, and uh, and that's why I call it uh, living in dying. And and Rick understands correctly that um, there's dying is a special part of living. Instead of se- instead of seeing it so negatively, we need to be seeing it through God's eyes and actually have a biblical perspective, thinking biblically on on dying. Um, but, you know, what we probably should get into uh, today's topic because time's going to run out. Okay, well, I'm excited for today's topic. It's on the high holidays. Uh, Dad, take it away. Yeah, well, first, Dad, I want to ask you, like, so, you know, as you know, we're going to be talking about um, the the holidays that happen this month on in the Jewish calendar. Uh, we're going to focus particularly on the one coming up next week, uh, Rosh Hashanah, or the Jewish New Year, and specifically about the shofar, the ram's horn. Um, but I want to ask you, do you have a favorite Rosh Hashanah memory, a Jewish New Year memory? Yeah, right. we've, we've done so many things through the years in all the different places where we've lived. And folks, I didn't warn Daniel that I was going to ask yeah. him this question. I guess the, before I answer that question, Dad, here's the question for you, Honest. Is there a specific memory um, you expect me to say? No. Okay. This is not a game. This is not this a game. Is, this is a, this is an unusual one. I just warning. It's gonna get heavy fast. But it was a few years ago now. I don't know if it would be around 2016-ish, but it was a particular. It was Rosh Hashanah, so the, a Jewish, the Jewish Thanksgiving holiday. And my dad, as he often does. Yeah, Sukkot is the Jewish Thanksgiving. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I wish this wasn't live right now. <laughs> Can I give you a human. I'm learning too tonight. I mean, I've been celebrating these my entire life since I was I'm 33, but uh still time to learn new things. What if I share my favorite soup cut memory? You can because we're gonna cover it briefly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. 
That's okay. But what is it? During Hanukkah. No. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, whew, uh, Sukkot, uh, it's a Jewish Thanksgiving holiday. And my dad had us go around the room to say what we were thankful for. And I, I, I was unusually disturbed because as I sat in the room and I heard people um, sharing the various things they're thankful for, they're all meaningful things and everything that you listening would expect. Thanking God for our family, thanking God for our precious friends, thanking God for the roof above our head, for the delicious food that we just had, all those types of things. And as I listened to every single one of the things I was thankful for, I, I was disturbed by contrast with just before we started this, I'd been sitting in the living room waiting for everyone to come and sit down. And so I was scrolling my phone and I came across this article about some of our fellow believers, believers in Iraq and Syria, and the, the, the horrific persecution they had just been through. And so as I, was, as, as I was reading about them, and then all of a sudden we're thanking God for our stuff. And I realized that all the things we were thanking God for were things that they couldn't thank God for. And I was just thinking like, what would this ancient biblical holiday of Thanksgiving sound like for these, these precious Iraqi and Syrian believers? And, um, and as I was reading it, it spoke of many viewers will be familiar with the song, uh, 10,000 Reasons, it's called, and it sings about all the things that we thank God for. And these believers were singing this song on their way to be put to death. And it just, it really brought home as my dad began sharing with us about the meaning of the holiday and what we thank God for. It really brought home to me how often I can set my heart on, on uh, things that are very shallow about God's faithfulness and forgetting the, the, the more meaningful things. So that, that's a, one of the moments for me from Sufa that stays with me to this day. Yeah, that's good. Actually, I'm glad you you focused on on that. I'm not bailing you out here, Daniel, but it's really, uh, it's good that you focused on that because it's the Thanksgiving part of the process of this Jewish month is, is key to understanding the whole thing. And so we weren't going to spend that much time on that, but, but, you've contributed just Thanks before so much. we go to the next thing think about how wild it is though that we have people in iraq and syria probably in arabic singing songs to god and they are they are worshiping the 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 jewish god that they're worshiping the god of the hebrew bible uh, centuries after these holidays were first established it's wild to consider that and one of the themes of sukkot the festival of tabernacles is the ingathering of the nations absolutely yeah back to you dad yeah yeah so what we're going to be doing is uh i'm going to give a bit of an overview to the the various feasts that are included uh in this in this season um and then, and then we're going to focus at, I guess I mentioned this already, and then we're going to focus on the Jewish New Year particularly and its central symbol, uh, the shofar. And then and when we get into that, I'm going to have Daniel come back because we're going to be looking at several passages that have to do with the shofar. And Daniel's going to read them for us, and then uh, we'll share a little bit about each passage. And that's what we're going to be doing for the, the rest of this evening. And so um, I'm going to take it from here for the next little bit, and then I'll invite Daniel back. There. I think I have this right. Um, so we're doing this live for the first time. Last time we did live things like this, Daniel and I, is when I did my Old Testament course. 
Um, it was a 20 week course. It's still available um, for you if you want to check that out. Um, and it's been a very interesting time uh, having to deal with s- so many technicalities and, and I'm trying to monitor what's going on. We don't have a crew. Um, I don't have a, a person in this room. By the way, those of you that have been watching Thinking Biblically over the past several weeks, you know my background is different. It, it was real then. It was a, a blue curtain. It's real now. Um, we just moved, and um, it's, I'm in a much better room right now uh, than a windowless basement room that I used to have. And uh, but I'm still getting it, you know, getting it set up. And you let me know what you think of this background. Um, I'd like to see it a little better than it is, but that's that's me. And so let, let's get let's let's get into it. And so um, what we're looking at is what is often called the fall feasts of Israel. They're found in Leviticus chapter 23, starting at verse 23 to the end of the chapter. And uh, if we had more time, I'd read the passage. You might want to read that later. Leviticus 23 verses 23 to 44. Uh, these festivals are mentioned in the book of Numbers. They're mentioned in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, besides other times in the Bible where, where they come up. And there are a set of three festivals. And from what I could tell, they are intimately connected. Um, so the three festivals are, first of all, the first one has several different names. It's become popularly known as Rosh Hashanah. Rosh is head, Hashanah, the year, the head of the year or the new year. Um, in in the Bible, it's, it's referred to as Yom Truah. So in, I'm using the English Standard Version here, in Leviticus 23.23, it says here, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, which is this time of year, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with, and it says here, blast of trumpets. Well, of trumpets is not in the Hebrew. It just says blowing. So that's why it's called Yom Truah, or Truah, the day of blowing. It doesn't say what to blow. Traditionally, uh, this is what became the instrument to blow. This is a shofar or a ram's horn. There's the long one too, that's actually from another animal. I don't have it written down, uh, often called a Yemenite horn, much, much longer. Um, this is the most common. Um, and uh, I, I just I don't know if it's a, if it's a right or, or a left, but it's a, it's a horn. And uh, while well, I'm talking about it now, um, so, you know, this, in orchestras, they have the horn section, which includes trumpets and trombones and French horns. And they're called horns because originally they were actually horns from animals. Um, and uh, so I said, this is the most common one. It's, it's a ram's horn. It's really, ouch, it's really, really hard. You don't want to be butt, butted by by a ram with a, with a pair of these. Um, and uh, God willing, I'm going to blow it. Uh, hopefully I won't blow it, but I'll blow it. You know, play it properly um, in a little while. And so in the Bible, it's called Yom Truah. Traditionally, it's become known as Rosh Hashanah, the new year. There is a reference in the book of Exodus, I believe it's chapter 23, uh, that re- refers to this time of the year as the turn of the year. And so in Jewish tradition, there's actually four different new years. Um, and they, they mark different things like a new year for the tithing of fruit of trees, a new year, a civil year, which is Rosh Hashanah. Um, And then there's the religious year that begins uh, at Passover time in the spring. 
now, you might think that's kind of strange. How could a culture have different New Years? Well, actually, here in Canada, where Daniel and I are, just like United States and many other places, there's there's also different New Years. There's the calendar year that starts in January 1st. Uh, then there's the school year that's it's already started in some places. Other places here, some start this week, some start next week. People have fiscal years where your business follows a particular economic year. And so that idea of having different years is 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 been part of cultures. Um, and so the Jewish culture has it the same. The one that's mainly observed is is the one that's happening beginning next week, um, actually the eve of September the 6th. Uh, you might be aware that the Jewish holidays uh, occur every year, usually at different times compared to the common calendar in, in much of the Western world, which is the, the Gregorian calendar. Um, the reason is that it, the Gregorian calendar is a solar calendar. The Gregorian, ca uh, sorry, the, the Jewish calendar is a lunar ca calendar. It follows the, the moon. And the the months in, in the Jewish calendar um, are either uh, 28, 29 days. And if you follow that strictly, 12 months of 29, uh, 28, 29 days, based on when the new moon appears in the sky, you're not going to keep in sync with the year. And so throughout time, uh, there was established a, a way to um, compensate for those changes. My understanding is the Muslim calendar, which is also a lunar calendar, the months actually compared to the Gregorian calendar do shift. That's why the holiday of Ramadan will appear different times of the year through the years. Uh, while the Jewish calendar, sometimes it's a little earlier, sometimes a little later, because every every in a 13-year cycle, seven of the years um, are longer than the other years. So there's an extra month. There's 13 months in some Jewish years. Look it up on Wikipedia if you're the kind of person that's interested in those things. But this year, it's earlier than usual, beginning uh, the eve of September the 6th. Um, and so this time of year, historically, and in some places, it was a very, very busy time with, with the, the harvest. And well, what happened right at this very busy time, you would start to hear the blast of the shofar as part of the festivities of this of this festival. And it was a time to stop and remember. And interestingly, the five books of Moses, the Torah, the Bible doesn't tell us what you're supposed to remember at the time of Rosh Hashanah, the new year, Yom Truah. Um, and so that's why we're going to look at some of the references to the shofar to see what the blowing of the shofar reminds us of. And we'll get to that. Ten days after Yom Truah, Rosh Hashanah, is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the most solemn, holiest day in the Jewish calendar. It's a national day of, of reflection and repentance. But notice, it doesn't happen without a time of preparation. Uh, they call, in Jewish tradition, the, the 10 days in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are the 10 days of awe. And it's a time to reckon with the past year and actually seek out people and make things right prior to this, um, the holy day of Yom Kippur. If we had more time, I would get into some of the specifics of Yom Kippur, but we're going to move on. Five days after Yom Kippur, two weeks after Rosh Hashanah, 
is the festival Daniel was talking about, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Booths. And that's a seven plus one day great Thanksgiving holiday where where uh, various uh, growing things are taken and, and, and special blessings are said to rejoice over God's provision. It's also the time where people move into these temporary shelters called Sukkot booths to remember God's provision for us in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness under Moses. And that gets us in touch with our vulnerability, our need, and the fact that just as God provided uh, generously and miraculously for us in the wilderness when we couldn't farm for ourselves and take care of ourselves, so he's continued to do that ever since. But you have to stop and remember. So, so notice we have a tradition of Thanksgiving holidays in, in much of the Western world. In Canada, ours is in uh, October. In the United States, it's in November. Your growing season is longer than ours. Um, but there's no prep. You might you might get ready, probably busy shopping if you do a big Thanksgiving dinner for your family or extended family. But there's no process actually to go through as there is in in the in what we derive from the Bible, where there's actually uh, a two week uh, processing time. First, we're in a very busy time, just like with school starting and other things starting in the fall in in this part of the world it's a different kind of busyness but it's a busyness and it's easy to be distracted uh, with all our busyness and so we blow the shofar stop listen what is god saying what is he reminding us of and then and then we don't move right to thanksgiving we move to reflection and making amends and repenting unto god and humbling ourselves and receiving his forgiveness. Once that happens, then we're ready for our Thanksgiving celebration in Sukkot. Uh, just before we get into the shofar, uh, shofar for, for those of you that this is new to, uh, just a couple of other uh, customs that go along with Rosh Hashanah. This is the card giving time in, in the Jewish world. And most card shops have uh, Jewish New Year's cards. And so if you have a Jewish friend, uh, this is the time to get them a card, uh, or at least send them an email, a greeting of, of some sort. And the easiest thing to do, people wanna know, well, how do I greet my Jewish friend at, the, at this time? Simply say, Happy New Year. And you have two to three weeks during this, what we call the high holiday time, to be able to do that. So if, all, if you forget, um, to do it uh, by next week, you still have time during this high ho holiday time season. Um, you could say Shana to Tova. I could tell you the more complicated one. There's no need to. Shana, to Shana Tova is um, good year, way to, to express Happy New Year to your friend. Um, synagogues are, are the fullest they are than any other time in the year. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur um, in, in two weeks from now. Uh, rather 10 days from now uh there are other times of the year where people attend synagogue i don't know in your area what's happening with covid but this is the the big synagogue time uh one of the treats at at rosh hashanah is dipping apples in honey there's a theme of of wishing one another a sweet year and we do that by dipping apples in honey and in my opinion it tastes better when you have a tart 
type apple like a macintosh apple where you are i don't know but if you get like a red delicious apple uh the combination in my opinion is a little too sweet so that's my recommendation a tart apple in the honey uh, is, is wonderful so uh let's i'm going to ask daniel to come back on and we are going i'm going to bring up some scriptures and uh go over them one by one and we're going to talk about them a little bit and uh let me see here get this ready and this is not rehearsed so we're going to see how this goes so i'm going to ask daniel to read the passages i'll turn the screen share off and 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 we will talk about them so go ahead daniel when you're ready exodus 19 16 to 19. on the morning of the third day there were thunder and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud shofar blast so that all the people in the camp trembled then moses brought the people out of the camp to meet god and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the shofar grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. So the first thing that I should say, which I should have said before we started reading, was in all the places of the the Hebrew Bible Old Testament scriptures we're using, because we're going to be looking at a New Testament passage, which originally was written in Greek, uh, the, the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, which is the way I like to refer to it, written in Hebrew, of course. All these passages, you some translations might have the word horn, some might use the word trumpet. A trumpet uh, is a little confusing because I think trumpet should be used for a... a a horn type thing made out of metal, which in uh, the book of Leviticus, we read about the the silver trumpets that they made that the priests blew. That's not the same as the shofar, which is a horn. And so all these passages, the Hebrew word that in, in most English translations says horn or trumpet, it's the Hebrew word shofar. And so that's why I put the word shofar in. And so this passage is... The people of Israel are gathered at Mount Sinai, and um, part of the experience is they hear the sound of a shofar blast. They don't see one, but they recognize it. It's the sound of, of something like a ram's horn. And so this reminds us of God's redemption and revelation uh, of his people. It, this is the time where God is delivered the people out of Egypt, and so he's redeemed them, and now he's revealing his word, his will to the people. And so the shofar reminds us of God's redemption and his word. Think, Daniel, any thoughts? Oh, I, I got just a sense chills up my spine at the end of the passage that we looked at where it says, um, and God answered. And I just, it, it goes with what you're saying about, um, yeah, God delivering, redeeming, and, and speaking to the people. Um, in God's word to us, there is there's healing, there's life. Uh, just there's so many of us have had an experience where we've, you know, cried out to heaven, where we have both, even people who hardly believe in a God or don't, will like speak to heaven, 
as if there as if as if no one's listening but wishing there was but in the in 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 real living history as in this passage God actually answered right and James tells us that when we lack wisdom we can ask God and he gives wisdom freely mm-hmm. to those that are willing to do it mm-hmm. and so I think that in the in the shofar sound as we hear it it is also a reminder for us to open our hearts afresh to a God who answers to a God who speaks yeah that's good I'm I'm also hearing here the awe. Uh, often we take God's word too glibly, and then there are some people that kind of think, well, the Old Testament, God is, you know, that's God is awesome and and scary, and He becomes kind of nicey nicey in the New, and that's just not. In the New Testament book of Hebrews says our God is a consuming fire, and God's word should should have this this impact on our hearts, and it's something that when you hear the shofar blown, when it's blown properly. Um, it provides that sense of awe. And so it's a good reminder that you know, maybe if we're not being in awe of God's word, we may not be paying attention. Mm-hmm. Ready to go to the next one? Sure. Okay. Here we go. This one is a, a, a lot of people are familiar with the... Uh, I hope I do this right. Where are we here? Sorry, folks. There we go. Here we go. Joshua 6.20. Okay, Joshua 6.20. So the people shouted, and the shofars were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the shofar, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Okay, hopefully that works. I pause the share. Did that work on your end, Daniel? I still see the words, the beautiful okay, words. Okay, so let me do that and then do that. Okay, we're back. Yeah, so this is this is very familiar to a lot of people. Uh, this is the first major uh, major act of conquest on the part of General Joshua and and the Israelite army after entering into the Promised Land, and God gives some strange instructions. Uh, Jericho was a heavily fortified walled city. And the people were told to march around it um, each day. And on the, on the seventh day, they were to march around seven times. And then the priests, the Kohanim in English, English in Hebrew, um, blew this. Um, and the response was, kaboom. The walls came a-tumbling down. And so the shofar reminds us of God's miraculous victory in life's battles as well as the tearing down of walls. You know, we, we go through life and um, and we face obstacles. And I'm not saying we should all go out and buy shofars and every time you have a problem, well, the shofar is going to disappear. The reason why the walls of Jericho fell down uh, after the blast of the shofars is because this is what God told them to do. Um, they weren't worried later on when they blew it at other times that walls were going to fall down. But it does remind us that God is the one that overcomes impossible, impossible situations. Mm-hmm. And something I heard as my dad was speaking, and he mentioned this is what God had told him to do. One of the things that I hear when we blow the shofar is a reminder of the call to obedience. Uh, the, 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 the blast of the shofar, as loud as the shofar is, is not what brought the walls down. God brought the walls down. And God brought the walls down in accordance with his promise. 
that as they obeyed him in this way, he would do it. And God, like in light, like this isn't a matter of karma. It's not that the people would do something good and then they would get something good that they would obey God. And then, okay, now they get the good result. But in life, like we are called to obey God. And as we, as we remember God's goodness, his kindness, his wisdom and insight, we can find every reason to realize that whatever area of our life it is, our words, our money, our sexuality, our relationships, anything in our lives, the rhythms of our life, that if God is all that he says he is and he is, then obeying him is 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 the wise thing is is the thing we should long for and so i think that we can hear that again in the call of the shofar a call to obey god and then to expect that when we obey god that doesn't mean everything's always going to work out but we can expect the unexpected we can expect that the impossible can become possible um and there's all sorts of examples in the scriptures of people doing um strange things that god told them to do um that result in in incredible outcome wonderful outcomes but as you're talking it was it is it is kind of that had this funny thought you know the next time they faced a wall city you know let me get my shofar as if the shofar is going to be the thing that's going to bring the walls down and and uh, it doesn't work like that and so Absolutely. when we hear the shofar we need to be remember not the shofar but the call to obey amen yeah it's so yeah. true okay. yeah so along along those lines the the, the, as we remember this passage, the, the sound of a shofar can remind us to stop putting our trust in our strategies and what's worked in the past. And even, even in the ways that God has come through for us in the past, but to remember that, that we need God afresh today and every day to be doing what only he can do. Yeah, right absolutely. Now. Well, let's go to the next one. Yeah, maybe one day God will provide a technician for me. Uh, am I doing this right? No, that would have been the wrong one. Here we go. I'll try not to make comments as we go along. So this is Psalm 47, verse 5. Take it away, Daniel. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a shofar. So in Psalm 47, the shofar is associated uh, with the fact that God is king. There's, it's, it. The psalm reads something like an, an, like the inauguration, a coronation rather, of the king. Um, and God deserves uh, the, the, this, this, the, this great sound to be played as he, he goes up. Um, but let's there's that whole idea of God as king. Um, we need to remember that he is over all of life and that we should constantly be giving deference to him, the king. And the shofar reminds us of that. Wonderful. Nothing to add. Okay, let's go to the next one. Okay, another psalm, 96 verses 4 to 6. Make a joyful... Oh, sorry. No, I love your voice. You can read oh, it. Did I read the last one too? Well, I, think, I, think I, I read, <laughs> the, read last the last one. one. <laughs> Our voices are so similar. It's genetics. Okay, go ahead, Daniel. You can read it together. Okay, let's do that. No, it's a bad idea over Wait Zoom. Wait a second. No, it's Zoom. You can't do yeah. that. <laughs> I'll read it. Go. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. 
with trumpets and the sound of the shofar, make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. Yeah, so here's a, a, a passage that actually has the word for trumpet, uh, the Hebrew word for trumpet, and the Hebrew word for horn, shofar. And so the last psalm, uh, proclaiming God as king. And this one, praise God because he is worthy. And there are several psalms that talk about making a joyful noise and this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, we make fusses over lesser things. And you know, there are some, um, uh, some churches that do la- large and loud celebrations and uh, others that think that only quiet and subdued is, is worthy of God. And it's possible that some of the latter ones could have some times of, of, of quieter. Uh, I don't know about where you go or where you've been. Sometimes it could move into a, a more of a show than a celebration of God. Um, but those who have been in the habit of subdued and quiet um, maybe need to break out of their shells a little bit and make a joyful noise to the Lord and make, you know, an, an appropriate, can I call it a racket? A, a racket for God? But you know what I mean. I think it's fun sometimes to just stop and, and think, if I was being honest from my from my context, how would we have written this and see how off it is? So like there are many who would be able to write that psalm saying, make a delicate noise to the Lord. Well, noise. They wouldn't use the word noise. <laughs> make a delicate whispered prayer to the Lord. Um, sing inside your head to him. But this is definitely talking about a robust, fulsome, physical sound of joy. Yeah. And so when for those and, and many years ago, that was the kind of context we find found ourselves in um, the, the quieter kind. And there are people that in those contexts that criticize the louder ones. And sometimes they say, well, it's not our culture. It's not our custom. It's not the way we are. But I wonder, you know, do they go to hockey games, football games? Uh, when a grandchild's born, or their child's born, do they respond? Those same people respond with very subdued, quiet responses. And, you know, if that's the personality, well, even those personalities, I'm sorry, folks, that maybe it's it's time to be a little bit more expressive. But saying that it's not about the expression because it's easy. Oh, it says make a joke. No, so we're going to do that. And I've, I've been in, in um, so-called worship gatherings where uh, it, it, it was so intense, um, it almost seemed to be an attempt to conjure uh is God down into the experience of the congregation. Like just, we make more noise and, and it's more dramatic, hit the bass drum louder, that sort of thing. Then God's going to respond. And that's back to similar to uh, getting confused on the shofar. Um, there's, there's an authenticity that's necessary. And I, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit. And you could respond to this, Daniel, like authentic, authenticity uh, is, is a little funny in the sense that, you know, if if uh, royalty visits or there's some hero that comes, uh, it's right to honor them, like with a ticker tape parade or or you know with banners and 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 loud sounds. Maybe we had a bad day that day. Maybe we we're feeling kind of depressed. But there's a time and a place to express ourselves ac- 
according to the whoever it is that's coming. And so I think there's an argument for an authentic, more dramatic, intense um, response to God is, is in order, no matter how we might feel. At the same time, remember, again, it's not the, the intensity that gets God to respond or anything like that. There is a time for quiet reflection as well. Absolutely agree. No other comments on that one? No other comments. All right. Let's go to the next one. I can do this properly. Sorry. Here we are. Okay. Sorry, got I'm how I'm doing this here. I got a little no mixed worries. up. Okay, this is Isaiah 51.1. Take it away, Daniel. Isaiah 58.1. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a shofar. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Okay, so here God is speaking to Isaiah and is likening his voice, the voice of the prophet, to the blast of the shofar. Reminding us that the voice of the prophet is to be clear and distinct, uh, not subdued and unclear. Um, and so there's that need again, that associating the shofar with God's word, like it was at Mount Sinai. Uh, and that how God's word should pierce through, the, to mix the metaphor, pierce through the darkness, pierce through the confusion, that God's word should come clearly to people. And so then we also need to be reminded that because we've been given the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, in a sense, we're all prophets. We've all been assigned by God to proclaim his word, and we should do so boldly and clearly. Along those lines, um, when it says, like, declare to the people their sins, like so far my dad and I have been reflecting on passages that are talking about making the shofar miss a joyful noise. But like it's actually a little bit miserable. It's actually very miserable sometimes mm-hmm. to have to declare to someone or, or share with someone where they are missing the mark, where they are walking in toxic ways, unhealthy ways, sinful ways. Uh, and I just was confronted with this yesterday because I have a precious friend who is making some decisions. And I tried, I tried to very gently over the course of time, share with them my concerns. And then yesterday I got a call and they're in a tough place. And I, they're in a tough place because they went through some, um, they were, I don't know that they were sinful, but certainly unwise decisions. Um, and as I was just listening first, uh, yeah, as I was listening and I got off the phone, I was chatting with my wife and I just said like, I, I, I think that I missed the mark and that I should have been much more clear with my friend while they're making decisions. But I was so afraid, and perhaps listeners have been as well, of, 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 of pushing them away. I love this person, of, 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 of disappointing them. And so as we listen to the shofar, there's a call to love by being honest. And, and just I think of, the, of Isaiah receiving this, this word from the Lord and just probably feeling sick in his in his stomach thinking, I don't like this call from God. Like, I don't enjoy having to declare people where they're off to, to be honest with people, but it's part of loving people well. It needs to be done with humility and kindness and gentleness, meekness, but it, it needs to be done sometimes. Yeah, and it's, you know, I, I, I play a little game how long, how much time goes by before we talk about COVID again. Uh, but 
whatever one thinks about it, there is something going on where um, a large majority of our society thinks a particular way. And it's become very difficult for anybody to bring forth a different view. And people are actually very, very scared. Back to my podcast from a couple of weeks ago, um, it's, you know, people should have the freedom to speak up. And in our relationships, you would think we should have the freedom to speak up. The person I'm talking to doesn't have to agree. They're responsible for what they do with whatever information I'm trying to share. And I know I could be wrong. Only God is altogether true. And, you know, my perfect world world has us being able to share our hearts and, and expressing what we think as believers, what we believe God thinks about something without fear. But it's not so simple. So, the, you know, Isaiah needed to be reminded. You and I have to be reminded. We all need to be reminded. Yeah. So maybe there's anyone listening who there's someone in your family, there's someone in your friend or you're a speaker, a preacher. There's your church and you 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 kind of have this sense you should speak up, but you're afraid of people's reaction. Uh, people might still react badly, but I just want to encourage you today as we talk about those shofar to, to really consider following through and saying the difficult truth. Yeah. And as you were talking, I was rem- I'm remembering one of my my problems with this and I'm somebody who. I'll feel really strongly about something, but then, and while I could come on really strong at times, on other times I could be come across kind of wishy-washy, like try to throw hints out and and get the other person to come to the conclusions that I want them to come to, rather than kindly and gently, but clearly saying what I believe needs to be said. So we need to sound a little bit more like shofars, a, a well-played shofar, which maybe we're going to hear in a few minutes. Maybe. All right. Uh, let's go to the next one. Joel 2, verse 1. Blow a shofar in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. So one of the ways the shofar um, um, acts is as an alarm. Uh, the prophetic call in this this case again we're we're looking at another another one of the prophets uh, the shofar sounds an alarm and it's it's an opportunity given to people to wake up when they are not when they're sleeping when they're not knowing uh, the danger that's afoot and the responses that we're supposed to have because we don't really know what's going on. And the chauffeur reminds us to, to get with it, pay attention, and respond accordingly. Absolutely. Excellent. Next one. Okay, another, another one of the prophets. This is Zechariah chapter 9, verse 14. This is the last from the... No, it isn't. It isn't. Never mind. Skip that comment. Go ahead, Daniel. Then the Lord will appear over them. And his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will sound the shofar and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. So this is continuing the theme of warning of judgment. And this is a theme that needs to come to mind to us again. Uh, God's judgment is coming. And I know there's... With all COVID and all things going on, there's believers are talking about this being the end times. I'm actually thinking of doing a think an end times thinking biblically episode because I think it's really needed. Um, but you never know when 
in a sense, your judgment day is is going to come, uh, whether it's personal, whether it's communal, whether it's national, whether it's global. The world has lived through some horrific things, and um, the way things are going, it looks like we're we're going to be facing very very difficult times. And if that prediction isn't correct, I'm not concerned about it because at some point, the Lord is going to return. And it will be the time of judgment. And we need to reckon with that before it's too late. There's an elderly saint, a friend of mine, uh, many decades older, who often says, live each day like it is your last and someday you'll be right. (laughs) And it's not just a saying for her. She is actually trying to live a life where there's, yeah, where if there's, she's done something wrong, she's urgent about seeking to, with integrity, correct it. If there's a, a a misunderstanding or even, um, I've, I've rarely seen anyone share the good news of Yeshua with people as much as her, because there's, there's a sense of like, not just her judgment, but the judgment coming to earth from God. And that there's um, something that helps us live with integrity and making the most of our days when we live in that way. And the shofar very clearly, the sound calls us to that. So now what we're going to do, we're going to look at a New Testament uh, passage and in the Greek, it seems that the Hebrew word for uh, for horn and the Hebrew word for trumpet, it seems to deal with them all the same. The these the particular passage, it's First Corinthians 15, 50 through 55, it fits in with with the shofar theme and follows up on what we've just been talking about, uh, the Lord's return, the coming judgment, and so on. So let's get this up here. It's a couple of slides, maybe three. Okay. First Corinthians 15, 50 to 55. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Now we're going to be going back to uh, a, a passage from the Hebrew Scriptures is the last one. But before we do that, um, looking at this, so we saw how the shofar uh, helps us to anticipate the coming judgment. And then the New Testament continues on that theme that there will be a last sounding of possibly the shofar. It doesn't really matter whether it's a silver trumpet or uh, or a shofar like this. It's there will be the sound when it's time. And all that the Bible has been anticipating in terms of the renewal of all of creation, the judgment of God of all people and the resurrection of the dead, um, it, it, will, it will happen, it will come. And the, so the shofar reminds us that it's coming so that we should be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, 
for all of us, just as, as I was reading the verse, like uh, for all of us who have um, experienced the sting of death, um, for everybody who has experienced uh, that, that sense of, 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 of death invading our lives, um, sometimes feeling as if darkness wins the day. Uh, these, these verses just get me. Um, yeah, th- these verses are grounded in one of the most beautiful pages in all of the New Testament, which is speaking about the resurrection of Yeshua. And as certain as he has risen from the dead, so also we know that by his death, he's defeated death. And yeah, it's awesome. And it's not that we should be remembering, and it deserves its own focus too. One of the themes that we've seen in this COVID time is it's as if this moment is all we have. And so we have to preserve this moment. And there's no sense that there's more to life than this this part of our existence that the Bible teaches about an age to come. And not everyone will uh, inherit the age to come according to the scriptures. And it's a it's a serious, serious warning. It's open. My my understanding of the Bible is it's open to anyone who would receive Yeshua as their Lord and Messiah. And that is the the way we connect with God's plan uh, for for life, an, an eternal life that begins when we know God through Yeshua and then continues on and ultimately in the in the resurrection. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back to actually what is the first occurrence of of a ram's horn. It's not blown here, but it is there, and it's something that we should be that we should remember when we blow the shofar. And this uh, is one of the passages, a special passage that's read at this time of year in the synagogue. So the this story is associated with Rosh Hashanah, and um, it contains a ram's horn. So let's bring that up for Daniel to read. There we go. Genesis 22, 12 to 14. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up to him, up, up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Yeah, thank you for reading all those passages. So here we have this famous story, very difficult story of God tests Abraham by telling him to sacrifice his son. And at the last minute, an angel speaks to him. It stops him and then um, directs him to this thicket, which my understanding is some sort of like a thorn bush. And he sees a ram caught by his horns. Uh, and and then use, that's the ram that's given in place of Isaac. And so the blowing of the shofar, the ram's horn, reminds us of God's provision of for us that we might live and that is all connected with what Yeshua has done because unlike Isaac who is uh who is not sacrificed that pointed to 
the true sacrifice that would come when Yeshua himself would do it. And an astounding connection to this is how the Roman soldiers took thorns, heavy-duty thorns, and wrapped them into a crown and put them, ouch, on his head. And so his head, in a sense, was caught in the thicket. Like, who could make this stuff up that there would be that kind of connection to what happened with Abraham and Isaac and then what happened with Yeshua later on? So the idea of a, a substitute sacrifice for us, what Isaac experienced with the ram is experienced by, can be experienced by all of us through Yeshua the Messiah. And so the blowing of the shofar reminds us of the sacrificial substitute. Did you want to comment further on that, or is it time? I think it might be time. Okay, it's time. Okay, so I'm going to leave Daniel on screen so you could watch his expression. He's going to he's going to be standing for your stead. Now I've done this many times, and I even practiced today, but one never really knows if what's going to happen when I attempt to do this. So there are three standard blasts of the, or to call them traditional blasts of the shofar. There's a long one. Then there's a quick set of staccato, uh, no, sorry, three shorter ones, followed by seven staccato, quick blasts. And then the longer blast is repeated, but longer. That's the plan. That's what I'm going to try to do. And hopefully sound-wise, Doing this is also going to work as well. We'll see what happens. So here we go. How come I can't hear Daniel? <laughs> He's talking. He's not muted. Try again. That's really funny. Did I go deaf? I can't hear you. <laughs> Try muting and unmuting. I cannot hear you. <laughs> this is fun. I didn't expect this. I wonder if something happened with the audio. I just, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, let me let me check something here. Sorry, folks. One. Oh, there we go. I ran this. No, now it's not playing again. That, everything seems to be weird. And I started hearing you for a second after I did a little audio test. Did you, I didn't see you mute, Daniel. Can you actually mute? I did. Oh, there you are. Check one, two. Okay, you're back. Am I back for good? Yeah, thanks, folks, for your patience if you're still there. I was just trying to say, Dad, I'm proud of you. It's not easy blowing a shofar. It was very easy to make it sound like anything but what it's supposed to sound like. You did good. Your son's proud of you. That's so it came across okay? Yeah. I, I hope it came across the same for everyone else. It was loud and crisp and yeah. 
profound. And I wasn't that there, I wasn't lip syncing the shofar, folks. That yeah, I'm actually quite happy. That was one of my better ones. No, I've gone I've gone to events with my dad my entire life, including when I was a young child, and I have seen in the moment it does not work, and it sounds not the not the way it's supposed to. But dad, I'm proud of you on days where you where you <laughs> excellent, and proud on days where it doesn't sound as good. Yeah. Well, do you remember one of my my favorite illustrations that I, I like to talk about from the shofar blowing? No. And maybe we'll I'll just mention this, and then we can go to questions. Okay. Okay. Um, if there are any. And uh, so you know, yeah. So we've been talking about so the, uh, the tar time started. Daniel, uh, I asked him to share a, a New Year memory. He shared one from Sukkot. I thought it was great. I thought it was very fitting. I should have simply said the high holidays that he wouldn't have been so embarrassed. So he made a little blunder. And and uh, you're gonna hear a little bit of what D- Daniel's doing this time and uh, with with his life uh, when he's not doing this. And uh, but the thing is, and we referenced authenticity earlier. And authentic human behavior is 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 full of of mistakes, small and big. Most of them are small, little blunders. And so I have a, a an illustration of that comes from shofar blowing that I love. Now those of you that have blown a horn, a trumpet, trombone, a tuba, knows how this is done. Um, and so the way it's done is you buzz your lips into the mouthpiece and so that produces the sound watch me not do it properly this time okay so that's how you get the sound are you out talking daniel i'm just kidding sorry i just was pretending like i went mute again from the very fun. daniel <laughs> anyway very funny very funny anyway but what i'm doing and it's the same thing all the way through. Just the intensity changes when you play the different notes on on a horn, or a bugle. A bugle is a lot more like a like a horn because it doesn't have any valves. Um, but what what I'm doing is this, and I'm doing that in here. Big difference. Could you stop that? <laughs> anyway, so. When we go to speak for God, it's like we're just going, and yet then God takes that, that feeble attempt, um, maybe, and even when we've prepared and all the rest, it's a feeble attempt at speaking something good, bringing words of life to people, bringing encouragement to people. And often we don't say anything because we're more in touch with that than that. It's God that provides that. We bring the. That's all we really have to offer. Um, sometimes we work really hard at, 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 at going as best as possible. But in the end, if, the, if God doesn't bless what we, what we offer, then it's just going to f- fall flat. Um, and so I love that illustration, and I hope that's encouraging for some. So this is our first our, our very first live version of Thinking Biblically, we've given people opportunity. I know some people have been watching live. And are there any questions, Daniel? Well, I have a question for myself to start off. And please, a question for yourself? No, from myself. Okay. This is a question okay. <laughs> for me to ask you. Okay. Uh, okay. But if people are, uh, yeah, please, there's still time to post your questions. There's not a lot of time. So get your questions on here if you're watching live. Um, here's a question, Dad. Uh, I, have a, I have a few for you, regardless of if there's uh, live questions. Uh, the the rhythm of the blast that you just did. Um, do you know how far back that goes? That our oh. people 
have been doing this? I do not. I do not know how long that's been around for. But if you had to guess, you'd say a while. Yep. <laughs> long time. I'm sure it's been a long time. Awesome. I don't know how long a time. Yeah, here's another question. And then when people else. think they know, it's really hard. How do they know? Unless, you know, and then if you find words, there's no recordings, right? Going back before recordings. So before there were recordings, things were recorded in writing. Um, and so when they describe the blasts, were they doing exactly what we think they were doing? If there is a shofar historian out there, we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. A, a guest on the on the podcast even. We could do a um, taking another shofar. Yeah. Okay. Here's the next question. Um, this comes up in a lot of conversations. Um, should non-Jewish believers in Jesus, often referred to as Christians, be observing the high holidays, the various biblical Old Testament holidays? Yeah, well, uh, if you remember when we did uh, my Old Testament course, that whole, whole session on is the Torah, the books of Moses or the law, uh, for today. And I deal with some of those questions. And don't have time to get into that now. You could look it up. I might remember to put a link into the description. But um, with regard to the festivals in particular, the, these ones and other ones, at the very least, people should um, study the passages and have an understanding of, of what some of these things are, are about because they're part of God's revealed word and it helps us to um, get to know God better and live life better by understanding some of the things that we learned from all these festivals, which was the goal of, of uh, this podcast today, sharing some meaning derived from the concept of the shofar in the Bible. Um, the festivals themselves, you, know, you, you said you should. One of the issues with the festivals is um, no one anywhere since the destruction of the temple in the year 70 has actually done the festivals because a core matter of the festivals, which we didn't get into, are the, are the different kinds of sacrifices that are offered. And without the sacrificial system, we're not really uh, observing the festivals. Second, uh, many of the festivals have very in the Bible have very little information as to what people were to do, and the customs developed over time. Um, and so, what we end up having is even in the like the Orthodox Jewish world, don't that doesn't acknowledge very serious about the Jewish religion, doesn't accept that uh, the Messiah has come yet. The festivals as celebrated in the synagogue um, are full of developments and innovations in order to somehow connect with these festivals. They're not actually observing the festivals in the way that God revealed them. So then to say to Christians they should do it because it's in the Bible, um, that already has, has a problem. The, the, the second issue too is many of these uh, festivals are very intimately connected to Israel's history. And I believe, scripturally speaking, God is preserving the people of Israel and will eventually rescue the people of Israel and, and the nation will come to believe in the Messiah. Um, and so when, when Christians get very, very um, enthusiastic about keeping the festivals, which I already said you can't fully keep them, you could connect with them in some way, uh, if they 
overly make them their own, it undermines the unique place that the people of Israel have in God's plans and purposes. I don't have an issue with with some of the the, the feast celebra- feast type celebrations that some Christian groups do, as long as they're not thinking, oh, we're really we're keeping the Bible, we're doing Bible better than the people that don't do this. Because that's not really what this is. And we need to remember what we mentioned earlier. We need to be obeying God. And and sometimes we take parts of scripture and we think that if we somehow uh, do something that connects with that, that's us obeying God. But often what we're doing is we're engaging customs and culture and we think we're better than other people. And we need to be very careful of that. Thanks, Ad. Rob has a question. Rob asks, is the shofar only used in a congregational gathering or can it be done at home, such as when a family is celebrating a holiday? Yeah, well, the shofar itself is used at different festivals um, and it could it could be used for other reasons. The scripture, it's, it, we see uh, Joab, the general, David's general, blows it to signal the the, the people to, to, to stop this assault. Um, it it can be blown. And so I I don't think there are any thou shalt nots. Thank you. Uh, Dad, just off the top of your head, are there examples in the biographies of Jesus, the Gospels? Are there examples of the high holidays being done throughout the Gospels? So we have references to the Festival of Tabernacles, um, particularly in the Gospel of John. Um there's that. And can you tell there us? There is a reference to the fast, which is probably the Day of Atonement in the book of Acts. And you're testing me, Daniel. I do not think. Oh, of course. Oh, uh, there, there's the Feast of, of, of Shavuot or Pentecost in early part of Acts. But that's that happens in the summer, not in the fall. It's not one of the high, what we call the high holidays. Does that answer sure. your question? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we're just about, we're, we were hoping to go to 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time, and it is 8.11, so we're just about there. That is is there any final thoughts on the high holidays, the shofar, anything like that you want to share with us? Yeah, well, for um, for non-believing, non-Jewish believing folk, um, this is a very intense time in the Jewish world, um, and it's a good time to remember what Paul writes in in Romans 9. As you know, relations between the church and the Jewish world for the past 2,000 years has not been all that good. In some uh, circles that call themselves Christians, they've developed things called dialogues, which is you, you, you sit there and talk, I sit here and talk, but there's no real, there, no connection between the core of Christian faith, which is that the Jewish Messiah has come and the Jewish people. But biblically speaking, this is a good time to remember what Paul writes in Romans 9, where he says, I'm speaking the truth in the Messiah. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from the Messiah for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are the Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the Torah, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the 
forefathers, the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Messiah, who is God over all, forever, blessed forever. Amen. Paul's heart, even though Paul's main mission from God was to bring the good news of the Messiah to the other nations of the world, Paul's heart broke because his people had not yet come to know Yeshua the Messiah in fullness. There were tens of thousands of Jewish believers in those days, but the nation had not yet come to know our Messiah. What better time than the Jewish high holidays than to connect with Paul's heart. And Paul's heart is actually an expression of God's heart broken for a people, a people of promise that so uh, that need to know our Messiah. So maybe this would be a good time uh, to pray for Jewish friends you know uh, currently, from the past, and for the Jewish community where you live and around the world. Um, my people, our people, in Daniel, our family, our people need the Lord like never before. And uh, we look to you to be praying for us. Thank you. Yeah, so why don't I leave it up to you, Daniel? Daniel has some, he's going to share with you very briefly um, some of what he's doing. He's going to sign off. I'll do the remind people to subscribe to the, this channel and uh, share the video with others as well. Thank you, Daniel, so much for doing this uh, for us tonight. Adam, I'm glad to be here. And I'll let you remind people to subscribe and all of that. But I also want to encourage people to do that as well. I've tuned into quite a number of my dad's thinking biblically, and I'm blessed every time. Um, and yet, even as he was at the beginning, when he was mentioning some of his favorite episodes, I've missed some of them. And so today I realized that my reminder was a non-proper. So I want to remind people uh, to not miss anything uh, by um, subscribing and clicking the remind me button and all that kind of stuff. Uh, my dad asked if I would, uh, just before we went live today, he asked if I'd want to share about what I'm up to. The main thing I'm doing for work right now is that I've launched the Center for Public Speaking. It's a global public speaking coaching outfit. We have a team of public speaking coaches from around the world. All of us are, are of the same heart, uh, helping people make a beautiful difference in the world through elevating their communication. And one of the ways we're doing this is a free monthly webinar. Uh, maybe you've attended, I have attended webinars where they seem to just be trying to sell you something. That's not our heart at all. Uh, on our webinars, we are trying to equip you you don't ever need to sign up to anything we're doing. You'll walk away equipped. And so the, the webinar of this month is scheduled for September 30th, and it's called Legitimately Funny, How to Use Humor Well Without Being Mean. Uh, my wife and I were just chatting about how often when we try to use humor, even in day-to-day -day life, sometimes we come across as mean. And the same is true for when you're giving a speech at a wedding, a funeral, or preaching anything. You try to throw in something lighthearted, and it just you come across as mean. So this is going to not just be about not being mean, but really how to be a public speaker, a preacher, anything, using humor well. And so you can sign up. It's free, but you got to register. And my dad is including it in the in the notes along with this podcast. But dad, thanks again for having me on this. Thanks for letting me invite people to the thing I'm working on. Um, dad, just, I don't know why. Oh, I know why. Just yesterday, so just yesterday, my wife asked me, uh, what's something that your parents did in, in my childhood that I want to re repeat uh, with our baby because we're pregnant again she is pregnant and um i was just sharing about how my dad uh, this is the, my dad there's lots of meaningful stories i could share but one of the things i loved is that my parents 
took time to just play with us as little kids. And there's something about saying that where all of a sudden it just, my dad and I get to do a lot of partnering together, ministry, podcast, Old Testament course, different things. But all of a sudden I went from just like, there's such a sense to which we're, I don't want to say we're peers because he's very much my father, but like we get to collaborate a lot. And all of a sudden just reminded me, like, although we're doing these podcasts together and stuff like that, I've just like, my dad is basically the same age today as he was back then, but I was tiny. I was just a child and just, I don't know, dad, thank you for being someone that takes time to just play with your little kids, uh, whether it was teaching us sports or other games. Um, yeah, both on podcasts and in private, you're a man of integrity and I love you. I'm monologuing now. Dad, thanks so much for having me on your show. I look forward to tuning in next week. Mm-hmm.